Join me in prayer. Father, by the grace of Jesus, we stand today exulting in the cross and exalting Jesus, our King, our Savior. And we rejoice. We thank you for what we have sung. We thank you for what we have heard in your word. We thank you for the ministry to our children that works fervently to hide your word in their hearts. We thank you for the testimony of what they've demonstrated this very day. A beautiful picture of your word coming out of their mouths because it has been hidden away in their hearts in such a way that with joy they are able to repeat and share and say that which you have spoken to us. This is a gift. I praise you, Lord. I pray that that would bear fruit in the children's lives, in their families, in their homes, in their testimonies, in their friends. And the result would be that folks would know who you are and hear the gospel and be saved. And you would receive through their worship and testimony the due worship that you deserve as such mighty, holy, benevolent, and loving God. We pray now that as we open your word, it would etch a place in our hearts, permanently residing there, bearing fruit of righteousness and holiness and salvation, and that our faith would increase and we would be encouraged. We pray for families who today are not having a vacation weekend, but a weekend of grief and sorrow because they have, in war, in combat, in service, lost someone that is dear to them and their heart aches and they long for a day of reunion and they grieve and they hurt. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring comfort, encouragement, and that by the gospel they would be so built up that you would give them That promise that Jesus said, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Let them find rest in you. In Jesus name. Amen. It's a joy to be back with you this week after time away for Sherry and I to be refreshed and just to enjoy a time of fellowship with each other and relaxation in the Lord and in the beauty of His creation. I'm asking you to join me in Romans chapter 8. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what's coming in the next few weeks. And in 
that coming in the next few weeks, we'll, um, we'll wrestle through some, some really difficult scripture. And I want to talk to you about uh, what that will be like, uh, what we should expect, and how we should approach it. When Paul wrote Romans 8, he wrote it in response to a revelation that God made in his heart to a question that he asked in the midst of a struggle in his own soul. That struggle in his soul is revealed in Romans chapter 7, where the Holy Spirit has awakened in him an understanding of how sinful he is. As the Holy Spirit has awakened that in him, he sees his sinfulness, he sees the goodness of God in salvation, and he sees the resultant struggle between his own flesh and sinfulness and God's holy, righteous love. And in the midst of that struggle, he comes to this moment of frustration right at the end of Romans 7 and says of himself, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And he's referring to the fact that he's carrying around until the day of redemption this sinful body. And he's struggling in it and so he calls himself wretched. And he asks the question, who will deliver me? Well, immediately, by the Holy Spirit, he gives the response. He says, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And then he goes on to answer the question in Romans 8 about how God allows us in our wretchedness to have peace as we progress toward the day that we stand before God. And so Romans 8 is sort of a survival kit for life on this earth as a believer, understanding our sinfulness, yet knowing God's holiness and struggling to become conformed to Christ's likeness. So that's what Romans 8 is about. So when we get to the last section of Romans 8, we get into a section of Scripture that for as long as the book of Romans has existed, there has been a struggle over understanding some of the things said. And so for the next six weeks, one of those weeks will be Father's Day, so we won't be camping in Romans 8 on uh, on Father's Day, but for the next six weeks, we'll be talking about how God answers the question, how am I going to live in this sinful body until Jesus returns and makes all things right? or until I die to go and be with Him, how am I going to live in this sinful body in the midst of the struggle in a way that reassures me I still am going to get to heaven and also gives honor to God by how I act, by how I live. So the section that we'll be in today is in Romans 8, picking up around verse 20 and going down 
kind of touching on Romans 8.28 as we stop today. So join me there. The title of the message, and really for these next several weeks, is Caution, God at Work. There are several reasons that I use this theme. Let me begin by saying this past week I did some traveling, really the last two weeks, and I I covered about 2,000 miles of driving over those uh, two weeks. Uh, Traveled a lot. I love driving, so driving is not a real big deal for me. I my limit, though, is about 10 hours. Are some of y'all about 10-hour people? You get to about 10 hours and you're kind of start zoning out a little bit. Well, I was driving, and one of the things that's happening everywhere, especially around big cities, is construction work. And so as you're driving toward the big cities, you're getting into traffic, and there's construction work everywhere, all around Tuscaloosa, all around Birmingham, all around Atlanta, There was construction work everywhere on the journey that I made. And construction work brings with it all kinds of problems like detours, slowdowns, rough pavement, rougher. Have you ever been diverted and you've got a ride in the emergency lane and the whole time it's going, drump, 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 drump. I really detest that. And so I went through all of that. And so while that's going on, you're going through all of these lane changes, delays. Then you've got deconstruction and destruction of what's there. And then construction and reconstruction of what's going to be there. And it really gets to be miserable. And if you want to know what somebody's like, ride with them in traffic like that. There's something about what's really deep in your heart that kind of starts to bubble up. It just starts to come out. That's when that little fish sticker on the back of your car doesn't do you a lot of good. You know what I'm talking about? And so God just through those things begins bringing some stuff in your heart up to the surface to begin to deal with it. I really believe that's what's going to be said in this section of Romans. I think God is at work and He's bringing into our lives whether He is the first cause, in other words, He's doing it, or whether He is the permissive agent, He's allowing it to be done. I believe He's allowing in your life for you to travel through some construction zones. And that through those construction zones, God is raising up for you to see in your heart some things that need to be worked on. Some detours that need to be made. Some construction that needs to be done. And some destruction that needs to be done. All of this God working together for your good. Yet while the work is going on, there is some misery to it. There's a great difference between the section of highway that's in construction and the section of highway that's finished. And so when you get past the part that's being worked on and you get into the part that's finished, it's like smooth sailing. But when you're in the middle of the construction zone, it's not very fun. In fact, it's kind of challenging. Well, um, as we advance through the lesson today, there's a couple of things that uh, we are all familiar with. We see this and we know things are going to go bad. If you're in a 70 mile an hour zone and it drops down to 35 or 25, there's going to be a lot of delays and a lot of frustration. Well, I want to walk through the scripture with you at this point in Romans and I want to focus on one word and I want you to get your outline out and take a look in that outline. 
When I built these slides, there was some uh, highlighting, but for some reason in the transition over to our presentation mode, it didn't go. So I'm going to use this little pointer, and I think that I can use it. Can you see the word right there, groaning? Y'all see that on the left screen? I'm pointing at that if you're looking at this screen right there. Okay. The theme of this section of Romans is groaning. In fact, it's mentioned three times. It's mentioned here. You come down further, it's mentioned right here. Okay? It's the second time for those of you looking at this screen. And then you come down a little bit further and we see right here. So these words tie the meaning of this whole passage together. So there's a theme going on. The theme is groaning. And so if you look in your outline, you'll see, let's see, there are three groans in Romans 8. And that the groans are exposing a goal that God has for us in Romans 8. Here are the goals. First, encouragement. Romans 8 and the lesson on groanings and the whole chapter are to encourage you. Second, they're to build endurance in you. And the reason you need encouragement and endurance is because of suffering. When you get into the traffic zone, the the construction zones in your life, and God begins to slow you down, change your lanes, take you on detours, and destruct areas of your life that He may construct new areas of your life, it really gets burdensome. It gets difficult. Sometimes that's happening in relationships. Sometimes it's happening physically. Sometimes it's happening financially. Sometimes it's happening in circumstances and surroundings and employment. All kinds of situations. Sometimes with family, with spouses, with children, with parents. All kinds of situations that God allows or brings into our life. And it's difficult. And those difficulties provoke something in us called groaning. Now, all of this is going on in the midst of internal struggles and external struggles. Let me differentiate between the two. We're going to learn today from Romans 8 that when the Holy Spirit moves into a person, the moment of their salvation, as the Holy Spirit brings regeneration and the new birth, and takes up residence in our heart, provoking us to have confidence, to have faith, to have belief, to have trust in God through Jesus Christ. That that Holy Spirit moves into a heart that has lived in sin and darkness. And as he moves into that heart that is lived in sin and darkness, he goes to work deconstructing the sinful nature and reconstructing the new person in Christ. And in that process, 
come all kinds of trials and testings and turmoils that we could compare to a really bad traffic jam and construction. Those internal struggles are vocalized by the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 when he says, hey, the thing I really want to do, I didn't do it. But the thing I really didn't want to do, I did that again. And then he says, so I find this principle in me that the one who wishes to do good still has evil abiding in him. And so that is the work of the Holy Spirit, opening darkened doors of hidden rooms in our hearts to reveal sin and sinfulness in order to clean those areas out and bring light and life to every room in our hearts. And so God is at work internally, but He's also bringing difficulty externally, either by allowing or causing things in our lives that are hard. And so with this internal struggle where we say, wretched man that I am, or the external struggle where we groan under the situation, God is wanting to bring about change. Now we'll learn in the next several weeks that the ultimate change He's after is to conform you to look like Jesus. That's his ultimate goal. That's his, that's his angle. That's his, that's his destination he's going after. And he's using these things and what they provoke internally and externally to move you toward greater faith to the result that you become more like Jesus. That's what's going on. So, here we are. We've got this goal. Paul has for us encouragement, endurance in the midst of our suffering, suffering that is internal, suffering that is external. So let's pick up the first groan. We'll find that groan in verse 21 and 22. The groan of hope from the creation, anxiously longing For the revealing of the sons of God and restoration. This is the world you live in. Right now, Hawaii is groaning. As the earth cracks open, lava and magma flow up and out, displacing home, destroying trees, Destroying wildlife, even taking human life. The earth is fallen and it is groaning. The entire universe is fallen and groaning. Why? Because sin entered the world. In the book of Genesis in chapter 3, when sin entered the world, everything changed. And rather than the ground bringing a blessing to Adam, God said to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. In that moment, the Bible teaches us that the whole universe was subjected to futility, 
Read with me in verse 19 of Romans 8. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not of its own will, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. What does that mean? It means that at the moment that sin entered the world, God looked at the created order and said, Cursed are you because of Him. The Him was Adam. At that moment, rather than the ground giving us what we needed as we tilled it and producing its fruit in abundance, thorns and thistles began to come up. If you go to Africa, you will see drought and famine. And rather than men and women subduing the earth as the intentional creation was built, the earth is subduing them. It's upside down. Listen carefully. When the earth was formed, we were to subdue it, and it was going to serve us. But now, in the fall, the earth is subduing us. Time and nature, rays of sun, Gamma radiation from outside. All kinds of illnesses and sicknesses traveling across this creation. All creep in and now rather than we subduing the earth and tending and keeping it, the earth is subduing us. And so the result is that the earth, the universe is groaning. It's fallen, it's broken, and it's winding down as a result of sin and the one who subjected it to futility. Futility means that we rot, we rust, we decay. We go from organization to disorganization. We build and nature tears down. And so things are not as they were in the original creation. And so the earth is groaning right now, all around you. Everything from the animal kingdom, to the mineral order and the magma, to the hurricanes and the earthquakes, this earth, this creation is groaning. And so, this groaning is awaiting a restoration Look at what it says in verse 20 going into 21. Verse 20 ends with the words, in hope, and it's really a transition into 21. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption. The word corruption means to rot or to decay or to rust out. It was used of material that would dry rot from the sun or it would rust from water or it would weather and wear through time. And this is how the earth is winding down now. So it's groaning. It's groaning in a way that's harming us 
rather than serving us. Number two, the second groan is the groan of hope in the Christian. The groan of hope in the Christian. And I I put in italics the word because, because of the Holy Spirit, anxiously longing for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. This is not just the average Joe and average Jane groaning under the brokenness of the world. This is different. The word because here is very important. Look at what the scripture says. Verse 22, for we know the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now. And not only this, verse 23, but we ourselves also, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. The result of the work of the Spirit is that a holy dissatisfaction. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans 7. Wretched man that I am. It's a holy dissatisfaction with having to still inhabit a body that has sinful desires, sinful tendencies, sinful nature, sinful pull, sinful draw. It's a holy dissatisfaction inside me that groans for the day when I'll be free. Groans for the day when anxiety is gone, when fear is gone, when sin is gone, when pain is gone, when death is gone, when separation is gone, when all of those things are removed. That's a work of the Holy Spirit in me. The work of the Holy Spirit in me right now is making me groan because I know that I've not arrived. I'm anxiously longing for my adoption. Look in verse 23. He says, not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons. This is the day God takes us into eternity. This is the day that Paul was so torn about in Philippians chapter 1 when he says, I don't know which way to pray. Whether to pray to stay here and to do fruitful ministry or to pray for the Lord to let me go ahead and be executed so that I can be with the Lord because being with the Lord is so very much better. And he's talking about that day when things are made right. When we are with Him face to face and our bodies are brought through the redemptive process. The Holy Spirit in His abiding in each one of us is doing a work Creating within us a desire for holiness. But this is an important mark of true Christianity. It's a mark that is first attested to us in Romans in chapter 8. Go back in chapter 8. Verse 15. Where he says, for you have not received 
A spirit of slavery again, leading to fear. But you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself bears witness within our spirit that we are the children of God. This is a work of the Holy Spirit creating a desire to please our Father. And that is the desire for holiness. It's a desire to be pleasing to God. And God brings that about through hardship internally and hardship externally to bring us into an awareness of our unholiness. Now, let me take you to 1 John and listen to John say it in a different way, but he's saying identically the same thing. Remember the appeal of the Holy Spirit in us is to identify us as the children of God, to get us to call out Abba Father, a desire for being pleasing in His sight, for relating to Him, for relying on Him. In 1 John chapter 3, similar picture, listen to what he says. 1 John chapter 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet appeared what we shall be. But we know that when He appears we shall be like Him because we shall see Him just as He is. So this is the whole process of being made like Christ. But look in verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him does what? What does it say? Purifies or sanctifies or cleanses Himself. If you want to know if the Holy Spirit is in you, this is one of the key evidences that He has produced in you A groaning for holiness. A desire for Christ-likeness. A want to that is so earnest that it voices itself in deep yearnings, groanings. That is a mark of the presence of the Spirit of God in us. And it's an important mark because the Apostle Paul points it out as a mark of true Christianity. He says, this creation is groaning under the sorrow of the brokenness of sin that has turned the creative order into something rather than being mastered, it is mastering us. And in us, we're so broken that when the Holy Spirit moves into us, that one of the things He alerts us to is how broken we are, and we begin saying, what a wretched man I am! Who will deliver me? From the body of this death. There is a desire for holiness in every truly regenerate person. Everyone who has been born of the Spirit. That's why he says in 1 John, here's John reflecting Paul, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. That's the mark. So, in that, is your groaning. 
That's why sometimes you find yourself discouraged in your Christianity. That's okay. Did you know that's okay? There is no place in the Bible that makes Christianity out to be this kind of clap happy thing all the time. Have y'all paid attention to that? If you're trudging through a groaning place, stopped in the traffic and the deconstruction of old things in your life, while God builds new things and you feel like you're on a detour and you're not getting anywhere, trust Him. He is at work in all things. How many? One more time. (laughs) That means the traffic jams of your life. The roadblocks. The detours. He is at work. And you need to understand that part of your frustration in that moment is God showing you your own unholiness. So that you can see Him working to bring you into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. We'll flesh that out a little more in the next few weeks. I'm pretty excited about that. So, move into number three. Here we go. This is my favorite part of what I'm sharing today. The groan of help. See, we had the groan of hope of the world thinking, man, it needs to be different from this. God subjected this world in hope that one day it would be set free from corruption. And so the whole earth is groaning like a mom who is in the middle of the hardest part of labor looking forward to something new. And then the Christian in the middle of this is groaning under the weight of internal and external struggles. Knowing that God is working externally and internally to conform us to the likeness of His Son Jesus, to make us holy people. And so now in the middle of that is this glorious ministry of the Holy Spirit. The groan of help through prayer by the Holy Spirit to overcome our weakness and ignorance and to conform us to the will of God. Listen to that fleshed out in Romans 8. Go back there. This is such a beautiful text. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. This is the groan of help. Housed right in your heart is God Himself. Did you know that? If you are born again, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, turning from your sin, placing your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and His glorious resurrection from the dead, if you have placed your faith in Him, it's because the Holy Spirit of God has moved into your heart. And He lives there. And He occupies that space with all the might and power of the Almighty God. And He is at work in you right now. And He is doing what you can't even understand. He's going through your heart, peeking in every single room. Every hidden thing. Every 
secret desire. Look, you said, where'd you get that? Oh, look, verse 27, and he who searches the heart. That's what he's doing right now. The Holy Spirit of God is going. <laughs> Have y'all ever watched any of the police or military um, uh, movies or shows where they go into a house and they clear it room by room? They all line up and they go in and they check out that room and say, clear! And they go to the next room, clear! Kick down this door, clear! That is what God is doing in you today. He's busting down and busting through and looking into every place and He is searching your heart. And He knows. Did you know He knows? Everything. He knows. He knows what nobody else knows. And He still loves you. Think about that. If we were going to play on the screen today everything in your heart, would you come to church? You wouldn't because you would think that if we knew everything in your heart, we wouldn't love you anymore. God already knows all that and He loves you. He is busting down doors in your heart. Searching and with groanings too deep for words, He is helping you deal with you. Because that's your biggest problem. As much as you'd like to think that your surroundings are your issue, that's not your problem. Your problem is you. And what resides in your heart. Jeremiah said it. What did Jeremiah say? The heart is the deceitfulest of all things, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I'll tell you who can. God does. Because He's crawled up inside your old heart and He's working room by room to make that old heart a new heart to let you enjoy your regeneration and get you ready to meet Jesus. That's what He's doing right now. And so look at what He's doing. Watch. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps whose weaknesses? Ours, the believers. For we do not even know what to pray as we should. Did you know that? We're too dumb to know what to pray because we're too busy hiding what we really are. And we're afraid to raise those issues with God because we don't even want to bring them up. But God's in there and He's... He's working the combination lock on your hidden safe way up inside your heart. He's working those. And he just swings that door open. And the Bible says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between the division of joints and marrow, soul and spirit. And he is able to discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Listen, he's not doing this as your enemy. You see, your enemy would be seeking to out you, to discredit you. He's doing this as your best friend. Because he knows the only way you're ever going to get better is to deal with who you are. That's it. And until you do, 
You can change your circumstances. You can change your situation. You can change your job. You can change your marriage. You can change your location. You can change anything you want. But until the Holy Spirit busts down those doors and gets in those dark places, change is not coming. But I want to tell you, if you're a true believer, He is relentlessly doing this right now. It's happening today. This is love. Love is when God exposes you for who you are and embraces you for who you're going to be. You're going to be just like Jesus. He's promised that. In fact, He drops the P word on that. We're going to get to the P word. Everybody in Baptist life better know the P word. Predestination. Verse 20. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. This is God's guaranteed work. And the Holy Spirit is helping you with it right now. And He is praying with you, for you, through you, at this moment, to deal with who you really are down in the deepest, darkest recesses of your heart. I want you to think about this. This whole world is falling apart and groaning. You're living in this world. And because the Holy Spirit is in you, you're aware that you're falling apart too. You've fallen apart spiritually. You're falling apart physically. And your only hope is a redemption. And you groan for that redemption when God will come and rescue us and finalize our adoption and pick us up and take us home. But in the meantime, right now, God is at work. He's right in the middle of your traffic jam. He's right in the middle of your suffering. He's right in the middle of your pain. He's right in the middle of your disappointment. He's right in the middle of your sorrow. He's right in the middle of every bit of that to go as far into your heart as is divinely possible to show you everything in you that is not like Jesus so that you can be made like Jesus. What should I do in response to this? The first thing I should do is worship. God loves me this much that He goes this far with me. He doesn't take my old heart and kind of wrap it up and go like a dirty diaper and drop it in a trash can. He knows that that old heart is a part of who I am and things in there have to be dealt with. And so He's searching my heart. Even though I have a new heart, the vestiges of my old heart still are here. And He is working on it in such a way as to bring full redemption to me and to conform me to the likeness of Jesus. And so wherever you're at today and whatever's going on with you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God is in it. And He's working through it to make you like Jesus. Would you bow with me? Some of you who are here today have a greater issue than the issue I've raised. Your issue is that God is not in your heart. Please please hear me. 
Your issue is that God is not in your heart. He's dealing with your heart. He's talking to your heart. He's working on your heart. He's not in your heart. And you're at a place where you need to respond to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That truth is that you have offended a holy, righteous, wonderful, loving, wrathful, and dangerous God. And in your offense of Him, you can either meet Him in eternity as your eternal judge and condemner, or as your loving Father and Savior. You have to respond. He has reached out to you as a loving Father and a Savior by offering His Son, Jesus Christ, a sacrifice for your sins, a substitute for your sinfulness. Jesus Himself lived perfectly, righteously, and with holiness in a way that you never did and never can. And He did it all under the weight of humanity and temptation and the weight of sin always tapping at his heart. But he did so without sin. And on the cross, he became your substitute, bearing your sin, becoming sin, and dying as a sinner, though having never sinned. And in his death, he brought forgiveness and hope and life. And in his resurrection, there was confirmation that he was who he said he was and he did what he said he did. And everyone who receives him receives forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Would you come to him today? Would you trust him? The Bible says, as the children quoted, this beautiful passage from Romans chapter 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And it goes on later to say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on Jesus today? Pray with me. God in heaven. Pastor Bart has just described me. I am a sinner. Because of sin, I deserve your punishment. I deserve death and hell. I deserve your judgment. I deserve your condemnation. But I've heard such good news today. That Jesus Christ was condemned for me. He was judged for me. He lived perfectly for me. And after His death on the cross, I believe He was raised from the dead. I trust Jesus. Save me, God. I'm calling upon You to save me. The Bible says that if you did that just now, that He will save you. God always keeps His Word and never breaks a promise. You need to follow through by telling others you've called upon Him for salvation. Some of you are here and you're in the middle. You're a believer and you're in the middle of a traffic jam and you're about to give up. And you are worn down from the journey. You don't understand the difficulty, the deconstruction, the construction, the detour. You don't know. You're just really confused. Listen, 
God is at work. And He is searching out the recesses of your heart in the middle of this traffic jam to show you how you're not like Jesus and how to be like Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Groaning, help, and praying for you. Ask Him for that help. Call upon Him. Trust Him. Would you stand? As God leads you, would you respond to Him today?